Welcome to the Street Smart Wisdom Podcast from Wisdom Feed. I'm Steve Stein. In this series, we talk to best-selling authors and thought leaders that are doing great work in the world of mindfulness, psychology, wellness, and creativity. Our mission is to bring ancient and contemporary ideas down to street level. Our goal, to bring you takeaways and insights that you can apply to everyday life. Enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterListen.com. At BetterListen, we have hundreds of audios, courses, and programs available on demand to stream and download. As a listener to the Street Smart Wisdom Podcast, you are eligible for a free audiobook download. Just visit BetterListen.com forward slash free to get your download today. On this episode of the Street Smart Wisdom Podcast, we welcome mind-body pioneer Dr. Emmett Miller. In this show, we do what we call here on the Street Smart Wisdom Podcast a wisdom profile. We find out about the background and uh, what makes uh, what makes our guests tick. And Dr. Miller has a rich and interesting background. I'm sure, you'll find it fascinating. A couple of the things we cover. In our conversation is the power of visualization and the power of imagination to create positive outcomes in our life. Enjoy. Hello, welcome. We're here today with Dr. Emmett Miller, who's uh, an old friend, an old business associate, and a a true pioneer in mind-body medicine. And uh, we're here to uh, find a little bit more out about uh, who Dr. Miller is and hopefully get some uh, helpful tips along the way. So, Dr. Miller, tell us about yourself and let us know who you are. Okay. (laughs) Well, um, great to be on your show. It's great to uh, be with you again after after all these years. What's it been? Thirty-five, forty years? My goodness, it's maybe (laughs) forty. No, not no thirty, (laughs) thirty-five. Wow. And uh, (laughs) uh, and uh, I'm basically an explorer and a and a healer. Uh, I grew up in New York City. And having more than one eighth of my ancestry um, being of African origin, I was classified as a Negro. So I grew up as a Negro in the rather segregated country that we lived in at that time, back in the 40s and 50s, uh, which was painful in many ways then, but uh, turned out to be of great value because it gave me a chance to see both sides of the story. Uh, I could see what black people could not understand about white people and why white people couldn't understand about black people. I got to see their prejudices, and I, I kind of lost, in a way, lost the faith in people because uh, these are adults, and they don't seem to get it. So I kind of struck out on my own. And uh, when I was in the 12th grade, I found out about Adolf Hitler and about the Nazi scourge, the Holocaust. And I was shocked that this, this really happened. I mean, I went around 
talking to people saying, this is, this is terrible news. And they said, oh, no, we killed Hitler. Everything's okay. And I said, no, that, that we, had used, uh, we had used such uh, modern age tools to exterminate human beings. We gathered people together by the millions and exterminated them. And I said, yeah, something needs to be done. I didn't know what it was at that time. In time, I found out. I said, well, someone's not paying attention, and we're going to be in big trouble if someone doesn't. So I said, I'll work on it myself. So that became my goal there when I was 12 years old, fifth grade, that I was going to help find a team of people who wanted to change the world so that we wouldn't destroy ourselves. Uh, I decided I would go into mathematics. I was fortunate because I had a very brilliant mind at the time. And um, so I studied mathematics so I could learn what was the, the basis for logic and how things were constructed. And then I studied physics um, to learn how the world worked. And then I went to medical school to learn how all of this um, affected and worked in, in human beings. And it was when I was in medical school that I discovered really around my senior year in medical school, I began to realize that most of the diseases that I was seeing were not primarily due to some external agent being bitten by a malarial mosquito or attacked by a wolf or uh, falling out of a window, but instead our illnesses were being produced by us, ourselves. And yet, at no place, and this is back in the 60s, at no, no one was paying attention to the connections, even though scientifically we had all the material. But I was fortunate, having been a mathematician, uh, I had learned to program computers. And then when I studied psychiatry, it suddenly occurred to me that the brain um, can be modeled using a computer. And if you understand how a computer program changes, in a very similar fashion, the programs that are in our mind change. Um, I realized the role of stress at that time and that our thoughts, through our thoughts, the way we think about the world, we generate conflict inside of ourselves. That we look at the world, I would love for this over here to happen. This is what I wanted to happen. You know, I wanted the Dodgers to win the World Series. But instead, ah, this is what happened. It was the Yankees that won the World Series. So there's two different thoughts in my mind, what I wanted and what happened. There's a conflict between the two of them. That produces what we call cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dis dissonance is translated by the monkey mind, the paleocortex, the limbic system as a life or death conflict. And therefore I'm thrown into an emotional state. And maybe that is frustration. Ah, oh, what can I do? Or maybe, maybe I feel terrible. Maybe I'm really depressed. You know, or maybe I'm afraid that all the guys are gonna tease me at school because they're all Yankees fans. So all of these emotions come up. The emotions then and, cog and cognitive distance create inside stress, which is like friction. The stress in turn produces chemicals. The stress, of course, comes because 
paleocortex, the ancient, the monkey mind, the limbic system, thinks this is a life or death con conflict that's going on here. If the Dodgers don't win, we're going to die. We've got to do something about it. So it pumps cortisone and all of these chemicals into the bloodstream, which then go about dissolving the organs of the body to turn them into glucose so that we can survive over the next 13 seconds because it thinks that the saber-toothed tiger is attacking us. As our organs begin to dissolve, sooner or later, one organ or organ system begins to break down. And then we call that heart attack, or we call it high blood pressure, or we call it cancer, or we call it ulcerative colitis, da, 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 da. And there it is. It was just simply laid out, and uh, it's just fantastic. Um, and I said, this is, this is what I'm interested in doing. And then I ran into a doctor, this is in 1970, who was practicing clinical hypnosis. And when he was doing surgery, he would just induce hypnosis and cut people open, do the surgery he needed to do while they kind of calmly chatted away. I said, what is going on? He did surgery with, with no anesthesia? No anesthesia, right. And wow. people would, would have outbreaks of poison oak, and he would induce hypnosis. And within two or three hours, it was like one-tenth of what it had been. Um, I saw people who had enormous anxiety uh, about something, stage fright, be hypnotized, and in 10 minutes, they calmly walk on stage. And uh, I said, I need to learn what this is. So he took me home into his living room, and he induced a state of hypnosis in me. And as he did, I began to laugh. And what happened? Did he make? I have a question. Did he make you a Yankee fan, or what did he do? <laughs> no, no, you can't. You can't make a person do anything against their will. <laughs> no way. No way. Okay. It's Duke Snyder and Roy Campanella and Jackie. Why? Robinson. I'm sorry to disturb you, but why Brooklyn? <laughs> That's where I was born. I could hear him cheering at Ebbets. Field every time Duke Snyder hit a home run. Oh, you were that close to, wow, very nice. I was that close. You know, we were one of the first people in the neighborhood to have a television, a little tiny thing like that. There's little black and white people were <laughs> playing baseball. One, after about two or three years, they took me to an actual baseball game, and I was shocked because it was all green. And they were all colors. It was like, whoa, <laughs> I thought I knew baseball. Anyway, in the midst of this hypnotic experience, I laughed for about five minutes because I realized that the tool of hypnosis placed the mind into a programming mode. That in state of hypnosis, all of the, the, uh, all of the things that keep us fixed on seeing the world in a certain way are relaxed temporarily. And then you can give a suggestion which is to create a picture in the person's mind. In other words, um, yeah, in a few moments, you'll be going out on stage. You'll find that you're going to be totally comfortable and totally relaxed. You understand that you're safe. And you'll understand that if you give the performance of your life, it's going to help so many people. They are going to be so happy about what you did. And that all you can think about is how wonderful it's going to be and nod your head when you know that this is what's going to happen. 
And the person nods their head and say, okay, I'm going to count one, two, three and snap my fingers and you're going to go out there and give it to them. Snap my fingers, hey, and they're out there and they do an incredible performance. The same guy who had stage fright a little while ago. Of course, the next day, his stage fright is back again. And so what was, and so what people didn't seem to understand is that hypnosis, everyone knew hypnosis worked for a little while. But the reason it only worked for a little while is that unlike a computer, you can't just type in your new program and the computer gets it. So you have to do it over time. Right. So, so that so that reminds me that reminds me of the uh, the idea of fake it till you make it. So does that have any is that relevant to what you're saying? Like because so someone listening to this never heard about clinical hypnosis. They could get one of your tapes or one of your recordings, or they can find the local hypnotist or even get any kind of guided imagery, relaxation, uh, download or app. But so how does that, is, is it a muscle that you have to build up so you can yeah. access it again? So how does that work? Well, it's hypnosis is the field of scientific hypnosis is a set of tools which allows us to change our state of mind. And when you are afraid of something, you're in a different state from when you love it. Uh, you see someone coming and you think it's a bad guy and you feel fear and, and you realize this isn't a bad guy. This is your uncle that you haven't seen for five years that you love. You change instantly. The world didn't change, but your state of mind changed. Well, the tools of hypnosis are shifting a person's state of mind. So if you're going to go out and give a speech, I might want you feeling relaxed and enthusiastic. Um, if you're going to go out on a date, then you might want to be in a state of mind in which you feel amorous and receptive. Uh, if you are going to study, you might want to be in a state of mind in which you really drink in um, thoughts like this and learn very quickly. So, uh, what I realized was by studying the time, I was fortunate because I went down to Esalen Institute and I was working at Esalen Institute for a number of years, and I realized that we had these tools of hypnosis, now, I'm sorry, of meditation and of mindfulness, which had just come over from the East, and it's virtually the same state of mind, whether you're in hypnosis, if it's meditation, if it's deep relaxation, or if it's prayer. When your mind is quiet and you feel safe and calm, that's the state of mind that people need to go into. And, and what is that? I, I find it fascinating. Excuse me, but what what's the what's the science behind that? When someone is so there's all this building body of research that you know I, I keep referring to. Uh, Anderson Cooper was on 60 Minutes at the Center for Mindfulness Research Lab. Uh -huh. and, they, and it was a neurofeedback system, and he's wearing uh, this this brain tracking device, and he's just firing away. And then all of a sudden, the leader of the process says, "Okay, now." And he's a big. He became a big meditator, and he went into meditation. And all of a sudden, like the Christmas tree lights go away, and everything changes. And it's yeah. not like a special effect. It's yeah. really science. Yes. Yeah, the, the science of the last 
15 or 20 years, it's made it very clear what's happening at those times. Uh, again, basically, we have these two levels of the mind. There's this, there's what they say the brain has three parts. There's a reptilian brain that kind of keeps your blood pressure and your blood sugar and, and so forth operating. This is way out of your conscious control. There's a medium mind, the mind that's in the middle, which is called the limbic system, called paleo paleocortex, uh, because um, it's the same thing that virtually all mammals have, the paleomammalian cortex. And it learns automatic things. You know how to walk, how to read. You don't read A-P-P-L-E, apple. No, you just look at it and it hits you. Okay. That's the paleomammalian cortex has learned to read by your focusing, focusing, and focusing. It's also the paleomammalian cortex has uh, what's called the amygdala, which is a little organ that's located in the center of the brain right there. And that is the fight or flight mechanism. That's the place all of our emotions come from. Because if you're an animal, if you're a squirrel or a horse, you've got to be alert at all times if you're going to stay alive. Those that weren't alert, they died. And that part of the brain, when it believes that there's something dangerous when it believes there's a conflict when it feels the cognitive when there's a cognitive dissonance at the higher level triggers the same thing it goes into fight or flight and what you feel the fear you feel anxiety you feel anger you feel all of these things and it's there to either make us fight off the thing that's about to kill us or run away so that part of the brain is what has been dominant for the last 500,000 million, million and a half years or so. But now in the world that we live in, we're not dealing with those kinds of threats. Instead, we're dealing with something like, you know, whether to take on a 30-year mortgage, whether to buy this car, whether to marry this person and take the risk that you're going to be with them forever, and, and on and on, or, you know, whether you can make it through the, through the green light before it turns red. So these are the things that, that we're dealing with, social challenges. They're not life or death, but this part of the brain thinks they are life or death. And therefore, it chugs out these chemicals, which are dissolving our organs, which are creating all of our diseases, which are creating all of our anxieties, our fear, our depression, our anger, our loneliness, our, our guilt, our shame, our greed, our jealousy, our envy, all of them are primitive emotions that do not help us. They would help if we lived in the jungle, if we lived out on the savannas, it would help us. But now they make us sick. Now, and back to your question, which is, when you go into a deeply relaxed state, what you do is you focus the mind, you keep the mind from building up negative images. You quiet the mind so you don't think, oh, no, what's going to happen tomorrow? No, you don't have to think about tomorrow. You come into this present moment. There is no tomorrow. There is no yesterday. Yesterday doesn't exist. Not one second of the past can ever come back again. So this is just your fantasy. So instead, come into the moment. As you become quiet, your 
the prefrontal cortex of your brain actually sends signals down to the amygdala, down to the limbic system, to the old cortex. And it pours gamma aminobutyric acid, GABA. And it floods that area with, with, and this is the thing that quiets the brain. It's what happens if you take your Xanax. It's what happens if you drink alcohol. <sighs> is that's what GABA does. Well, you quiet the amygdala. You said, there, there. Everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Mommy's got you now. Mommy. So meditating does that and also drinking? <laughs> yes. Well, drinking does it by using intoxication. So it really paralyzes the ability to think rationally in a sense. And that, so, but when you do it this way, you're doing it very specifically. You're not affecting all these other parts in the same way. And there's no hangover. And there's no hangover, positive hangover. Right. right. I like that positive hangover. Yeah. So you go into this very peaceful place. And if you do this on a regular basis, then you can actually see on the fMRI, we can actually see these nerve tracts that become thicker and thicker that lead from the prefrontal cortex, which is the brain's brain, down to the limbic system and quiet it. So now you have the ability to grow quiet. And when you grow quiet, then all of the stress chemicals that have been in your body are metabolized, and over the period of over a period of time, they start to dissolve, and their effects start to go away. And so you tend to feel better right away. Headaches disappear, um, and inflammation tends to begin to diminish and diminish. And if you do this on a regular basis, then this is a wonderful way of managing stress. So, uh, you know, my broker calls me and says, oh, I got terrible news. Your stocks have all gone down by one third. <sighs> okay. There's no need for me to be upset. There's nothing that emotion can do for me. Uh, I'll have to make other plans, but I don't have to do that right now because I'm eating dinner. And so I don't divert the blood flow from my internal organs up to my organs of how are we going to fight this off. And maybe half hour later, he called back and said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that call. Actually, your stocks went up by a third. I, I made a mistake and I said, oh, okay. Uh, so mm -hmm. I don't get wildly excited. It was positive, I can say, but you know, he could call back in five minutes and say something else. That's the world that we live in. But I'm calm. I'm like, oh, no, not that. What's that? What's that? And that is the world that we're living in now. You know, it's not just to hear people say things or things go on physically around us. But there's the news. We look at the news and say, oh, no, look at what's happening. This and oh, no, here's another news report from over here. And then, and then there's a phone call. And then, then there's a text that's coming and, through. And then, I and then I think also, you know, growing up, you know, maybe there was a radio. There, wa there was uh, not so much real-time news. That's now, right. everything is in real-time. That's right. And it's, and it's, it's easy to get a whip, whiplash, like, like emotional whiplash from all, all, all of this coming through. And uh, so this is all fascinating. So I, since this is more of an overview type thing, 
why did you get into this? You know, you, you mentioned that it was it only the, the, the Hitler thing as a kid or was there other why you continue to do this over the years? Uh, well, then, um, when I was in high school, I began to realize that um, we were going to have an energy crisis because the oil wasn't going to last forever. And I discovered some of the pollution and environmental damage that was, was happening. In fact, I can remember a poem I wrote in my senior year about human beings destroying the planet. I remember the last line of the poem was, but don't worry, Earth. Man will soon stop this pelf because man is intent upon destroying himself. So uh, that was what, you know, really I carried on. And then living in a Negro community and seeing the, the incredible dysfunction caused by the racial segregation and the kind of, you know, that you couldn't get a job, you, you couldn't go on, the, couldn't play golf on the golf course. And there's all these things you couldn't do. Uh, yeah, I was a I was the first non-white ever hired by Colgate and Palmolive Teeth when I was in my first year of college. I mean, it was a terrible world. So I could see all of this pain that was happening, but there was no need for it. There was just no need. The things that white people thought about black people were wrong. The things that black people thought about white people were wrong. So that kind of spurred me on, and and I found in in medicine that I really loved human beings. When I would work with a patient, I would feel a connection to that person, a real sense of if they were ill there, but for the grace of God go I, and is it possible that in some way I can become a healing influence um, you know, on this person's life to, uh, to be an instrument? The Christians say, let me be an in instrument of thy peace. And I change that. Let me be an instrument of healing, me, myself. And I found then, and this, this is actually why I was still in medical school, that how I treated a person, how I related to them, how I related to their illness, was sometimes more effective in helping them get better than actually what I did to help them out. So I knew that relationship was powerful. I knew that it would work. Then I discovered hypnosis and, and meditation. So, okay, now we can put people into this relaxed place, but how do you get them to practice it? And that's when the audio cassette was invented. And I was thrilled because now I could see a person. I could teach that person in a matter of 15 or 20 minutes how to reach this deeply relaxed state. And I could record it on a cassette and say, go home and listen to this two or three times a day. And by the end of a week or two, their lives would change. Their health would change simply from entering that relaxed, stress-free state over and over again. What I didn't know was they were building nerve tracts down to the limbic system. So wow. that's, that's, that's the first tool I discovered um, is reaching that state of relaxation and, and having the cassettes to do that. And then the second is once you're there, now you can use your imagination. And this is the most remarkable piece of it is we have an incredible imagination. And once you're in that relaxed state, 
You can visualize yourself being successful. You can visualize yourself as being healthy. You create an image of your, in your mind of something that you want. And when you do, then it puts you into a different state of mind. So if you were to close your eyes and think of someone that you love, that you love deeply, and imagine being with that person, or maybe relive the last time you were with that person, or maybe it's your favorite little dog, or maybe it's an incredible, magnificent sunset. You put yourself in that scene, visualize it. And our imagination lets us visualize, and by picturing those things, you shift the state of your mind. And once you shift the state of your mind, then you can instruct the unconscious part of your mind, I want you to permit me to be in that state of mind more often. I want to create that person that I see, my image ideal. I want to create that in reality. And this part of your mind, this lower part of your mind, it exists to do what you want it to do. And so your imagination or the process of what I call guided imagery is what you do. And so by guiding yourself to an imagery. So if you watch the Olympics, you'll see that the performance before they go on. Now everyone's doing it. You close your eyes. You're visualizing going through the ski slope before they do it. But they visualize it in your mind. And when you visualize it in your mind, you're actually programming the unconscious part of your mind, that part that controls your muscles. It's practicing going down that slope. We found in basketball, if we are practicing free throws, and the team practiced free throws every day for 30 minutes, but half the team practiced shooting free throws um, for the full time. The other half just practiced for 15 minutes, and the other 15 minutes, they visualized making the free throws and they improved twice as much. No way, really? Actually, because you don't need to practice your muscle. The muscles have it. They're strong enough. But what you need to rejigger is those internal neural connections. I, I, I love that. You know, I have, <clears throat> we're kind of a basketball house. And I, you know, I have my, both of my boys, 15 and 13. Uh, they're basketball boys, but my, my younger son, he, he, he never leaves the court unless he hits two foul shots in a row. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and he's uh-huh. got such stick-to-itiveness. Yeah. yeah. He, he, I don't know, a few weeks ago during the summer, he went through, he, he, he hit a wall, like the four-minute mile and banister. He hit a wall of 16 straight three throws. Uh-huh. And he went, he said, I got to beat it, I got to beat it. And he was there for, I don't know, two hours, but more than an hour. And then he broke through and hit 26 after like almost, and it was uh-huh. like, you know, uh-huh. but uh-huh. It, it, it's... Uh, and he, I think he does some visualization, but I'm going to definitely tell him that tip, which brings me to my yeah, next. Before, okay, so before his next game, right. have him sit down, um, close his eyes, come into the present moment, and become aware of how much he wants to do well in the upcoming game. Don't think about how. Just think of how good it feels or how wonderful it would be to do well. 
Now go back and imagine hitting those 26 free throws. And remember how you felt when you hit number 23. Whoa. Number 24. Whoa. Number 24. Whoa. Uh, 26. Feel that. And let that feeling go to every cell in your body. Wow. And now I want you to imagine you're playing the game. And you know that guy you're going to be guarding out there. Imagine yourself just shooting over him and feeling that same feeling. And let me know when you feel it. Okay, I feel it. Great. I'll go out there and give it to them. That's what you do. It's simple. Wow. So that actually, you know, part of what we're doing in this podcast is how do we take these, you know, science and limbic exactly. brain and all this, it's all heady stuff. And I love that stuff, but we're also, so what can, besides my son, you know, what can they, what can you do in real life if we don't have access to one of your tapes or recordings or, you know, how does that boil down? I know my son is an example of that, but, uh-huh. oh, you know, how does that trickle down to street level? Uh, well, if you don't have access to one of my recordings, just go to betterlisten.com. Right. And download one of them. Right. <laughs> but if you can't do that, uh, we'll probably find a way to let people have something for free here huh? so they don't have to buy it. Right. I was wondering, maybe we could, uh, you know, We'll put in the show notes a, a free download, so you can just uh, click on and go to the web page, and we'll have a link where you can get it, one of the one of the downloads for free. There you go. Okay, but, but I, I was avoiding your question. The real answer is um, that first of all, it is to practice um, being able to relax yourself, being able to quiet your mind, and. Um, well, why don't we do it right now? I talk about it when you can do it, because the idea is to be able to relax yourself at any point in time when you so, know it. So, I, so, question. So, I have one more question for you. So, uh-huh. would it make sense that after we do that question, then we just finish with the meditation uh-huh. instead of doing the, you know, getting into a, a relaxed state? Sure. Sure. Let's do that. And then that's the way even without getting, you know, this is for free. So people get a direct experience of it. Right. All right. So last question. If you were a superhero, what would your origin story be? You know, uh-huh. well, my origin story is in this vast universe, um, planet Earth is not the only place with intelligent life. There is intelligent life throughout the universe and, and has been for millions of years off and on. And many of these life forms um, have realized that healing is a crucial piece. Healing, life, and love are really three words for the same thing. Um, and they have created a whole cadre of intergalactic healers, their spirits, that move throughout the universe. And they will find primitive planets like planet Earth, where people have not learned how to heal themselves. And they look at Earth and they see that we're about to go into major global crisis um, with global warming, with billions of people being displaced. Um, uh, They look at the the governmental systems that are happening on the planet, and those, those are terrible. 
Uh, they look at the pollution of the planet, and they say, we have to do something about it. And so these spirits come to Earth, and they incarnate in human beings. And one of those spirits incarnated in this body, you know, who grew up as uh, one of a minority, so he could experience the pain of what it is to be a minority, and you can't miss it if you're black or Native American or female or something like that. You know, even if you don't know that you know. Um, but what you learn is, you know, every one of us is a minority, and every one of us is suffering on this planet. And so we are here, and our goal is to connect with each other. And as we come together, like a basketball team, like an intergalactic basketball team, you know, so I'm a power forward, you know, so I'm, and, and I will find these other members of this healing team and together we will win the championship and the championship will bring healing and peace and love to all human beings, to all sentient beings on this planet. Uh, so that's my origin story. I love it. Wow. That was, a, that, that was a nice twist. Okay. Well, that was perfect. Okay, so you want to lead us in a mm -hmm. guided relaxation? Yeah, Not very good. simply. Very simply, I say, choose a point over on the wall or the ceiling opposite you, some place it's easy to focus your attention. And imagine it's really important to keep your eyes focused on that point. And this is the first step is the fixation of attention. Keep your eyes focused on that point. And as you look at that point, become aware of the fact that at this moment in time, there's no other place that you need to go. There's nothing else that you need to do. And there's no problem that you have to solve. And therefore, you can give yourself permission to relax. And by relaxing, I just mean letting go. And soon you'll notice that that point in the distance begins to sort of fade out of your, out of your awareness. Sort of like when you're dealing, when you're gazing off at, uh, and, in the distance and you slip into a state of mind we call daydreaming. Just kind of let yourself go into that daydreamy state where you're not really looking at that point. And then you'll notice your eyes begin to give you signals that they would like to close. When it feels more comfortable to let your eyelids close, let them close. And behind your closed eyelids, let your eyes gently roll upward to looking upward toward the back of your forehead or your prefrontal cortex. You feel your eyes trembling a little bit. Your eyelids you sort of vibrate a little bit. When they feel so relaxed, they just don't want to open at all. Like on a morning when you're supposed to get up, but you just can't open your eyelids. Test your eyelids and feel how heavy they can feel as you pretend that they just don't want to open. And then as you test your eyelids, let that feeling of relaxation flow from your eyelids throughout all the rest of your body. Imagine your eyelids are like, uh, like throwing a pebble into the still, calm surface of a mountain pond. And imagine little ripples of relaxation flowing outward from your eyelids into your forehead and into your scalp. 
ripples of relaxation flowing into the muscles around your mouth. You feel your jaw muscles relax and your upper and lower teeth drift apart. Your neck relaxes and your shoulders kind of sag a little bit. Let the relaxation flow down into your arms and your elbows, through your forearms and your wrists and your hands. When that relaxation reaches the tips of your fingers, you feel a little tingling in the tips of your fingers. Or maybe it's a heavy feeling or a warmth. And take a deep breath in and draw the relaxation from your fingertips up through your arms into the center of your chest. And then as you let that breath out, let it be a feeling of letting go completely. And stop breathing and let the air do the breathing for you. Just as it does when you're deeply asleep at night, the air flows in and then there's a letting go. With each breath out, think to yourself the words, it breathes me. And let yourself sink into that little pause after you breathe out and before the next breath begins itself. And as the next breath begins itself, Feel as if you're breathing in pure white light relaxation that flows into your body, relaxing your chest and your back, your abdomen. Let that relaxation flow down through your pelvis and your legs and your ankles and your feet right down to the tips of your toes. More and more relaxed with each breath. Good. And take a moment and notice how comfortable you feel. And when your body relaxes, you become more aware of the unnecessary thoughts that enter your mind. Right now, you don't need to think anything. There's nothing you have to figure out. The unnecessary thoughts that come from your mind, just your monkey mind thinking that you've got to run away from something or struggle with something, but you don't. You're in a safe place right now. Whenever an unnecessary thought comes along, you can let it go. And by unnecessary thoughts, I mean like doubts or questions or judgments or thoughts about the past or thoughts about the future. Whenever an unnecessary thought comes along, imagine that unnecessary thought is like words written on the blackboard in your mind's eye. And remember the relaxation in your eyelids. And as you gently test your eyelids, imagine you're drawing a wet eraser across your mental blackboard erasing the unnecessary thought and sending another wave of relaxation flowing from your eyelids throughout all the rest of your body. A warm wave of peace and calm flowing through every cell of your being, all the way down and right out through the palms of your hands and right out through the soles of your feet. And if that same unnecessary thought or any other unnecessary thought comes along, Simply repeat this process. Each time you do, you're strengthening a very, very important reflex, like a muscle inside yourself. Because any time your mind begins to think about something and you know those thoughts are not helpful to you, you can let them go. When you begin to develop emotions which are not useful to you, you can let them go in the same way. And instead of focusing on the negative fantasy, turn to your imagination and imagine that you're floating on a magic carpet, floating through space and time.
totally at peace, floating to a very pleasant place, taking a journey to a place you've been before that's been beautiful, relaxing and peaceful and calm, someplace far, far away from anything that could ever disturb you, or maybe a place, place that you've always dreamed of going, maybe a beautiful tropical beach, a beautiful blue sky with puffy white clouds and waves coming in toward the shore, breaking on the shore, sweeping up across the sand and maybe feel the cool water as it covers your bare feet, walking on the sand. The fragrance of tropical flowers, gentle breezes, peaceful feelings, or whatever other place might be useful, interesting to you. Could be a garden, could be watching a sunset from the top of a mountain. Put yourself in that scene. Imagine that you're there now, absorbing the peace and calm. And know that at all times there's a peaceful place deep within you. And that when you can access this deeper place within you, you can find the wisdom within your being. Wisdom and wise guidance. Because wise guidance allows you to make the choice right now that you're going to be happy that you made next week or next month to choose wisely. Be in touch with that wise place within you and be aware of how wise it is for you to choose to learn to relax yourself deeply, to strengthen this inner muscle so that any time you become upset or concerned or worried or have any discomfort that's not of value to you, you can stop the world and go to this peaceful place. Imagine yourself tomorrow or next week, one of those times when it would be better for you to relax, maybe after work before you walk in the house so that you come in being a relaxed, loving person. Or maybe it's dealing with a challenge when you need to access your deep self-confidence, whatever it might be a situation where ordinarily you might be anxious or angry or have road rage, and instead you pause for a moment. Remember this peaceful place inside. Hold this image in your mind that you have right now at your peaceful, safe, special place. And you feel your body relax. Imagine yourself doing that. Picture yourself being the person you really want to be. Because each time you picture yourself the way you really want to be, you become more and more this person because this is the person you really are down deep inside. Each time you picture this place, this person inside you, you're strengthening the muscles inside and you reprogram the automatic part of your brain reprogramming it to create in reality what you have created in your imagination. Now in a moment, I'm going to count from one to three. I'm not going to snap my fingers, but if you like, you can come back to feeling wide awake.
more aware of the space around you. But as you do, bring back the relaxation, one. Bring back the centered feeling, two. Imagine yourself waking up as if you've been asleep for a long time, having touched something really important inside, perhaps ready to make a decision to include this kind of experience on a regular basis in your life. Three, take a deep breath in. As you let it out, let your eyelids open and think wide awake. And take a moment and notice how comfortable you feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That, that was good. That's a takeaway. That, that's, yeah. that, that's a take. That took me away. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That, that was excellent. An example. Wow. And, you know, different. There are different modes of doing that uh, that work for people. For some people who have a deep religious commitment, I remember one time when I needed to work with a young girl who had to go through plastic surgery. She was a young Hispanic girl. Um, and I said to her, what school do you go to? And she says, I go to St. Timothy's. And I said, you know, is there a statue of around there that you really like and she's oh yeah she says there's a statue of the virgin mary over a fountain in the in the front of the school she says i just love to sit and look at that statue i said okay close your eyes and i want you to visualize that statue and imagine that you're looking at the mother mary and imagine that as you're looking at her that there's a beam of light that comes from her and surrounds you and as long as you let that beam surround you, nothing can disturb you. Nothing can harm you. Your body feels completely peaceful and numb. And even as a surgeon begins to work on your face, you'll feel touch, but you won't feel any discomfort. You'll just feel Mary's love entering your body. And so depending upon what a person's beliefs are, and we all have beliefs. We all have beliefs. And we all have this imagination. We don't know that we have the imagination. It's been taken away. You go to the movies and you watch um, um, Bourne or, you know, whoever your hero is, go through whatever the story is, and your heart beats faster as you, as you see Princess Leia may be slain, you know, or you feel excited when the Jedi's come out or whatever it is. You're going through all these emotions because your deeper mind thinks that's true. It thinks that's what's going on. It doesn't realize that these are just images on a screen. They're not even people. And the people that those were photographs of were just phonies. They were actors and actresses reading a script written by a person who didn't even believe it. And yet your unconscious mind is believing it and you're excited or maybe you leave the movie feeling really, really sad because you just saw Schindler's List or something like that. Your imagination has been triggered. So the world uses our imagination. Your computer, your cell phone, your television, your um, political leaders use your imagination, but they're using it for their benefit, not for your benefit. 
And so what we're doing is teaching people how to use their own imagination, how to use it in a state of deep relaxation, and how to use it to program into their mind what they want to take place in their lives. It's really that simple. And by going into it, by learning the tools, you adapt those tools to yourself. And so I can, in my mind, I'll visualize, let's if I have to give a lecture, if I take a big audience or something like that, and maybe I'll visualize the universe and maybe I'll see these spirits swirling together and I'll see them coming into this body on the earth and I'll see this boy that I was and I'll see the way that I suffered and I'll see the way that I transcended that suffering. I see myself winning my scholarships. You know, I see myself playing basketball on my college team. I see myself becoming a physician and I see us beginning to bring into the world a whole new way of living and transforming our lives into lives of health and love and beauty. And it works for me. It may not work for somebody else, you know, but, you know, maybe you'll visualize yourself as being Barbie. Maybe you, if you love Barbie and you love that pony she had, that could be a starting point. But where do you want to go from there? Because that's all in the past. Now let's create the future. What do we want to do next? So that's basically been the essence of my work for 50 years, is learning to do it better and better. Wow, that, that, that was brilliant. That was uh, well said, well put. And, uh, and uh, thanks so much. That was a, a great, great spending time learning more about you and sharing some, I think, uh, a lot of amazing things. And, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if people want to find out more about you, they can go to drmiller.com. Yeah, drmiller.com. Perfect. All right. So thanks so much, uh, drmiller.com. And that's uh, no, Dr. Miller, Emmett. And uh, we'll see you yeah. next time. Okay. Bye. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, I keep up the good work. I'm looking forward to you doing great things in the future. Amen. All right. I like it. Thanks. <laughs> You've been listening to Street Smart Wisdom, the podcast from Wisdom Feed. You can follow Wisdom Feed on Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes. If you haven't, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. We appreciate your feedback. Join us next week for another Street Smart Conversation. Thank you for listening.